From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Wednesday, January 13th, 2021, with Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax, and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers. Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines, bad news on the newspaper, bad news on the elevator, bad news on the street, bad news on my car, bad news on my feet, bad news out of the bar. Good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. It's the local coronavirus update. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. I almost called you Dr. Drew. Well, I do get that. That would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? How's your day? I, You know, that was the fastest impeachment, I think, on record. Phew. Yeah. Boy, we thought we might be bumped by the impeachment, but they've already finished. Done and dusted. Yep. The guy's been impeached a second time. Yep. Let's go for three. We still have a few. We, we still have another have a week. week. <laughs> God. Well, I mean, eventually it's going to go off to the Senate and they're going to vote. And then, you know, we'll probably preempt some stuff again, run some NPR coverage. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, we have our own sort of drama going on here in Mendocino County around vaccines. Apparently there was a line of hundreds of people at the fairgrounds today for the vaccine clinic. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I I just want to step back a little bit. There's so much anxiety and so many questions about vaccines. Um, And I certainly do not um, pretend to have all the answers to everybody's questions. And I don't frankly think that anybody does at this point. Um, The The thing to keep in mind, frankly, is that, A, it's remarkable that we have a vaccine in less than a year. uh, And it's also quite remarkable that it is actually coming into this county in large quantities, um, in significant amounts. And public health is doing a great job um, pushing it out to the clinics and to um, people's arms where it needs to be. So, you know, it's it's coming. Um, so just stand down a little bit um, and, you know, wait. I really wouldn't encourage anybody to get in any line anywhere for the vaccine. True uh, that. It's you know, the, the risks of any sort of vaccine super spreader event are, are real. Um, and so I just, I would, if at all possible, just sort of stand back a little bit. It is also important to note that getting the vaccine doesn't really change anything that any of us can do. Um, it's it's not as though it's suddenly safe to take your mask off or socially congregate or travel or do any of the other things that we all want to do until a significant uh, majority um, of the population is vaccinated. And certainly until we start to see positivity rates um, fall way down um, from where they are right now. Once again, this vaccine is showing us how connected we all are. Um, let me, do you mind if I do a little bit of vaccine numbers before you do pandemic numbers? Sure. Or should we switch it? Because yeah, no, the county, like you said, they've the public health has been really good about this. They've yeah. been getting us information, uh, very, very timely information. They are on their game. So, And they have vaccine information now. On their, on, the website. on their website, so mendocinocounty.org. And that, uh, that's getting updated on Fridays, so correct. not quite as timely as their press releases, but they've been, they, they've been cranking out the press releases, so I want to just let you know uh, that 
they told us that they've gotten, to, as of today, Moderna vaccines and Pfizer vaccines. So Moderna vaccines, they've gotten 1,400 first doses and 400 second doses. And Pfizer vaccine, they've gotten 300 first doses and 675 second doses. And they organized six vaccine clinics this week. So that's what we saw the line uh, in Ukiah. That's what that was about. So that, I just want to clarify what, what these vaccine clinics are and who's eligible for them. So there's three at the Ukiah Fairgrounds. Wednesdays is for firefighters, criminal justice personnel, law enforcement, crisis counselors, and second dose Pfizer vaccine for those who received their first dose on December 22nd. Thursday is for in-home support service workers, food service workers, and protective service workers, and more of the second-dose Pfizer vaccine for those who got their first shot on December 22nd. Friday in Ukiah, education and child care providers and agricultural workers. So, no, this is not where you go if you're over 75 and you want to get the vaccine, even though you've heard news about that today, uh, even the, the number coming down to 65 and older. This is not the place to go. These are still the tiered uh, clinics. Then the, the, they all require two forms of verification of their tier status, like pay stubs, driver's license, or employee ID. So then yesterday, the city of Ukiah had a vaccine clinic for Ukiah Unified personnel, so teachers and other staff for the schools. So that's really exciting. That was in a clinic by appointment only that was uh, co-sponsored by the city of Ukiah. And then... In Fort Bragg, Thursday and Friday, there are two clinics for fire and EMS personnel. So that's what those clinics are. For people who are 75 and older, they're supposed to contact their clinic providers. And to add to that, the clinics are getting a vaccine. Uh, they are getting fairly large quantities of um, vaccines either this week or within the next week. Um, and so they're going to be pushing out information as to who is eligible to receive it over the course of the next several days. So if your health care provider is at one of the regional federally qualified health centers, such as RCMS out on the coast or Long Valley or Anderson Valley Health Center, you may contact them, but I don't want you to swamp their poor receptionist with 500 calls. You should be hearing from them um, over the course of the next certainly week or 10 days um, as to whether you are eligible and when and where to go for the vaccine. So clinics are contacting their patients. That is my understanding. Okay, cool. Anything else that we need to clarify about that? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I will just say as while we're talking about the Pfizer and the Moderna, they are... um, exchangeable um, in terms of their efficacy. So I really wouldn't urge anybody to be worried about getting one or the other. Um, you can't you can't switch it up, though. So your booster shot can't be the other. Um, so once you're committed to the Pfizer route, um, then you need a Pfizer booster in three weeks or Moderna and then a Moderna booster in four weeks. So that's one point that I've had several people ask me about. Um, and then additionally, the, you know, the county and even the state, I'm afraid, uh, you know, we are appropriately pushing the vaccine out, uh, not 100% confident that we're going to have the booster in hand uh, in three to four weeks. Um, and I don't think anybody has that answer. Um, but it's it's certainly better to get the first dose in um, with, I think, a very educated um estimation that we will get those boosters in the three to four week time frame so far um, that has certainly happened in this county for the lower numbers that we saw three to four weeks ago uh, and that's just kind of where we stand um, you know it's very hard to get information from 
California, and California can't really get good information from the feds, I imagine. So there are a lot of questions. There's a long supply chain, um, and at this point, we're just trying to get as much of the initial dose into everybody as possible. What do they call that? Laying the tracks while the train is. You know, yeah, it's kind going. of you know, it's kind of like when you drive down the highway and Caltrans is rebuilding a bridge without closing the bridge, right? And it's an engineering feat, and you wonder how they do that. They've had years and or decades of practice doing that, and you know, this is this is all on the fly um, in a fairly novel way. So, again, I started the show with urging patience and restraint, um, and you know, I. I just would like people to recognize that it will be bumpy for the next several weeks. But, you know, substantial amounts of the vaccine are getting into this county and getting into people over the course of the next week or two, which is really, really We're gratifying. Just really excited. Yes. Um, so there is a new county vaccine hotline. So you can call the vaccine hotline for your questions and, and just try to sort some of this out if you're not sure before you go out to stand in line in the rain. And that is 707 472 2663. That's 472 2663. And that's a vaccine hotline for the county of Mendocino. So the numbers. Um, actually, we're just updated this morning. The county sort of mixed it up a little bit. So these are numbers that are fresh off the website. Um, they really haven't changed much in terms of the number we're adding per day. We're still adding, on average, 33 cases per day in the county of Mendocino, bringing our case count up to 2,970. Mm. Uh, positivity is still quite high at 6.38%. We have approximately 700 people in isolation or quarantine in the county right now. Uh, that's that's a lot of people. Um, 17 hospitalized, two in the ICU. Uh, we're running about 38 per 100,000 in the county right now, which is much better um, than the California average, which is over 100. Um, and we're still kind of in the coolest of the uh, very hot state of California. Everything south of Monterey has over 100 uh, cases per day per 100,000 people, and we're not even close to that up here in Northern California, which is good, um, but... You know, it's it's still likely to head in that direction unless the vaccine efforts and our efforts at uh, keeping things fairly tightly locked down continue. California hospitalization is still climbing, 13% uh, increase over two weeks. Uh, we are still seeing 45,000 cases a day on uh, last 24 hours. And just in the last 24 hours, 700 people in the state of California died from COVID, if you can imagine that. Um, so it's, you know, it's really f quite frightful um, down south. And hopefully that doesn't sort of ooze its way up here in any capacity other than you know, hospital utilization, which is, I think, really getting stretched pretty thin here. Nationally, uh, we are at 380,000 um, dead from COVID as of this morning. 23 million people have had COVID, at least. Those are 23 million test-positive individuals. Uh, the two-week national trend is up 37%. So still surging um, just as this vaccine is getting out, and hopefully the combination of people realizing that this is still quite real and the vaccine, we're going to start to see a downward trend over the next two to four weeks. Okay, that's grim. Yeah, it's it, the numbers are really bad. I mean, the vaccine being here is fairly you know exhilarating um but the the numbers and the and sort of the, the the situation on the ground is still quite frightening you can see why people are lining up 
yes, I can certainly see why there is, you know, clamor for the vaccine. Uh, Keep in mind, um, for those of you who have received the vaccine, the first dose does not really give you any immunity. You start to develop some immunity from the first dose right around the time that you're getting your your booster. Um, And you really don't have the maximized immunity for about 10 days after your second shot. So you're looking at about six weeks uh, from your first shot before you can start to realize that you have immunity to this thing. All right. I got a call from someone earlier today who had a question. So should we start with the questions? Sure. All right. I will let you know the phone number here in the studio. If you'd like to call in with your questions is 707-895-2448. That's KZYX's call in line here in the studio, 895-2448. We're going to open up the phone lines. But first, um, I had a caller earlier who said that after a trip... She, in December of 2019, so a year ago, she was terribly sick, and she's 84 now. She doesn't get sick, but she was in bed with a cough for five weeks, and others that she was with had similar symptoms. So uh, she's not the only person that I've heard say this, oh, yeah. that no, they think they the, had COVID yes, a year ago. I, I encounter this frequently. Yeah, so so deal with that, but also how how does she find out if she has had COVID, and should she get the vaccine? Uh, so... You are unlikely to find out whether you have had COVID. You could get an antibody test, but there are several different flavors of antibody tests, and they're not really uh, medically validated in a way that's useful. You should get the vaccine because even if you have had COVID, um, it is certainly very safe to have the vaccine afterward. Um, so, yes, you may get the vaccine. As for the question, sort of the, the paranoiacs amongst us who feel like they had COVID last, you know, in November or December of 2019, and I work with people who are like, oh, no, I had COVID in the fall. I can only say this. Uh, we really did not discover this until it was emerging in uh, Wuhan, China, in December of 2019. I never saw a COVID chest x-ray and acutely ill patient until probably May of this year. So those really sick people um, did not present to medical attention in this country as far as we can tell in any way whatsoever. So I, I think that's, you got some sort of bad bug, but it almost certainly was not COVID. Yeah, we wouldn't have had a, a secret and silent COVID epidemic here. Right? No, the, you know, some some fraction of those people would have presented in the emergency room, and then we would have, you know, gotten tests, not a COVID test because we didn't have it back then, but we certainly would have gotten a chest X-ray, and you know, those kind of images, uh, imaging that we see with COVID just don't really exist with our illnesses. It's quite distinctive. Okay, let's take a call. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Uh huh. Rice. Um, I just wanted to give a quick report of what I saw at the fairgrounds this morning and ask um, Dr. Kofax a question, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, the picture that I sent to Alicia of the line didn't really quite cover it. it. It stretched all around the parking lot to the RV park, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people in line. Some of them got there at 7 o'clock in the morning. A lot of elderly people in wheelchairs with walkers and canes, um, very little social distancing. Everybody was masked because there's not a lot of skepticism in that line. And I was talking to a lot of people to find out how they found out about this clinic because it was the, the first one that was opened to the various tiers with the food and ag workers, the um, caregivers, uh, first responders. And a lot of the elderly people told me that their doctors 
or one person told me a reliable contact at the hospital had told them last night that there was a clinic available for elderly people. And the public health staff were completely overwhelmed, and you know, I thought they were doing a great job trying to figure out who was on the list to get a vaccine, but they kept telling people, you know, if you're 75 or older, you need to contact your primary care provider and get this taken care of in a controlled setting, um, you know, where there's a bathroom where you can be monitored if you're medically fragile, so you're not standing in the rain for hours and hours or sitting in the rain in your wheelchair in a parking lot for hours and hours. Um, but it sounded like a lot of the doctors um, felt like this was too much of a bureaucratic hassle. And actually, Dr. Corrin told me that some of the doctors didn't want to give the shot because of the bureaucracy involved. And I'm wondering, Dr. Colfax, if you know if there is an obligation on the part of doctors to use this allotment that Adventist Health has gotten. Adventist has gotten quite a lot of shots, and my understanding is that the doctors at Adventist are supposed to be taking care of their patients instead of sending them to the public health office or the clinics. Yeah, so I know that Adventist, so it's the vaccine is coming into the county both to public health and to the Adventist uh, hospital network, which, you know, Adventist also runs then clinics um, affiliated with their hospital networks. They are getting a smaller allotment of the vaccine than the county public health, and I think it's actually substantially smaller. They initially just administered it to healthcare workers within their system, and that was entirely appropriate. They are now rolling it out to their patients. I think that's going to happen um, this week, actually, maybe tomorrow. Um, so that that is happening, and I know that. Uh, you know, the, the administration at Adventist is behind the idea of getting shots into the arms within 48 hours of arrival. And so I don't know anything about some doctors being reluctant to administer it secondary to administrative um, hassles. You know, medicine is unfortunately quite administrative these days. And, you know, anybody who tells you otherwise probably hasn't had to chart a patient encounter recently. But it's... Yeah, you know, that's, I think, the minority. I think most of these clinics, if not all of these clinics, Adventist or otherwise, recognize that this is, you know, their time to really protect the health of the community. And Adventist is going to certainly be pushing it into their clinics um, from their limited supply over the course of the next week or two, at which point I think they're going to probably stop. Uh, receiving as much vaccine. Um, I think it's mostly going to become a a public health um, administered process once Adventist gets their patient population um, fully vaccinated. Um, you know, according to the appropriate you know tierage. Tierage. Tierage to coin a word. Yes. All right. Thanks for the question, Sarah, and thanks for the report from Ukiah. That's it was stunning. The photo that you sent me of people lined up. It looked like some rock concert or something. Yeah, and I'm actually pushing. And I'm not sure it's going to happen. You know, at every health center, but I, I I'm advocating actually for not standing in a line, but doing drive-through vaccine. Um, I just you don't need to get people out of their cars and get them in a line outdoors or certainly inside a auditorium or anything like that. Um, there is you know, a 15-minute waiting period where you need to watch people afterwards. So that becomes a bit more logistically challenging. But the risks and the benefits, I think, augur for some sort of drive-through testing, if at all possible. I'm sorry, drive-through vaccine. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, people were not responsive to requests 
to socially distance. It just didn't work. Yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of the nature of humans. Um, we don't we're not really good at standing in lines, and we're certainly not good at you know six feet apart while standing in lines. You haven't been to England lately. They're very good at it. They call it queuing. There's a verb for it. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks, Sarah. Okay, we're going to go on to the next question. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, so when you were mentioning the different tiers, you said that the Friday's clinic would possibly have uh, shots for agricultural workers or farm workers. And what does that actually mean, and what is the documentation necessary for that? Uh, otherwise, it's just sort of this amorphous idea, but there's no sort of operational ability to it. Yeah, and, that, and that's a real problem. That's actually a critique of the tiered system. It's very hard to verify and enforce um, somebody's claim to be in a tier. The the healthcare workers were quite easy. I mean, you administer a shot to healthcare workers by healthcare workers, and, you know, they all know each other, and they have a badge, and they're in hospital scrubs, and you give them the shot. But it's, it's much more amorphous and difficult to prove um, – you know, whether somebody's an agricultural worker or not, and what does that mean? If you have, you know, a handful of goats, does that qualify you as a 22-year-old to go ahead of a 78-year-old with comorbidities? I don't think it should, frankly. Um, but that's, you know, that's the phases and the tiers that the state and the feds have rolled out. I think there's a lot of buyer's remorse, honestly. Um, it should have simply been a reverse um, age um, plan. They should have. They should have just simply said, "80-year-olds and up, 75-year-olds and up," and roll it down that way. That way. Um, but I'm asking what it actually is. I have no idea. But, I don't. I don't know. You got one on Friday. Yeah, I don't. Right. I have no idea if what it is. Got documentation that they're working soon. Does that make them eligible for a shot? Well, I, for I don't this know. Friday, all of the clinics, all of the clinics are full. But I would say in the future to call the county vaccine hotline, and and ask them. And it's four seven two. Two six six three. But I mean, okay. So when you say it's full, how did it get full? I mean, most of us have never heard anything about this. So who filled that up for the agricultural worker slots? I mean, what was the procedure? How did this happen? Right. Well, all I can tell you, it's a really good question, especially if you're someone who hasn't heard about the clinics, and you're like, "Wait, how, how do I get on this? How do I get vaccinated?" And and or Sarah was for me. So this is right. This is the first I have heard of them. Right, right. and that's you know that's a huge problem, and it's a particularly large problem in this county where we've seen. You know, significant disproportionate impact among the Latinx community, many of whom work in agriculture um, and have to work in agriculture because, you know, they, they can't exactly shelter in place for a year without income. So it's it's a huge problem. I know that the health centers throughout the county, which provide most of the services to agricultural workers in this county, are reaching out uh, through employers um, to try to get their personnel in to get the shots as they get them in, either in the end of this week or into the next week. So I'm not. Okay, I'm an employer. I haven't heard a word from anybody. Well, I, I don't know where you are in the county, um, and I don't Ukiah. know. Ukiah. Ukiah. Yeah, so that that would be you know that would be either coordinated by the Hillside Clinic um, or by um, public health, and I, I don't frankly know who would be um, coordinating with you or your employees. But I would call the County Vax Hotline um, and find out when and where you can you know direct your employees to get the shot because if your employees are working in agriculture, they are um, qualified for this. 
But it is, you raise a really good point and a really complex problem to this rollout. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of what we've made for ourselves at this point. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's kind of an insect side track for the people that are connected to the, you know, health community or such thing. And those are the people that are being notified because we know there's scarcity. And so something like that's going on because otherwise, why would me with a fully registered farm in the county of Mendocino not have heard a word? Right. And yeah, I can I, tell you that Sarah walked up and down the line and, and what she found was that a lot of people were hearing rumors or had heard from their doctor. So it was definitely there was a rumor going around. But, yeah, you know, the, the county has set up their their um, vaccine website on their county yeah, it's, page. you know, unfortunately, it's based off the California model, and it's, you know, it's clear as mud. I mean, you have phase 1A, and then tier 1, tier 2, tier 3, then phase 1B, and then underneath it, it repeats itself. So you're not going to get a lot of clarity as to who exactly is qualified or win um, from just looking at that, that website, um, unfortunately. Just as a point, point of information, the, uh, the vaccine hotline number, when I called it, I did not even receive a person. I just received a recording saying they were not available. Oh, okay. Well, Thank you for that. And that was just, uh, you know, I don't know, an hour ago. Yeah, right. so, ago, you know, like all, all this speaks to sort of what I started with. This is going to be a sort of a, a bumpy couple weeks. Um, you know, the vaccine's coming in. It's going to get to the most needy um, over the next week or two. A day or two difference might seem fraught, but as long as everybody has been doing everything we've been doing for the last 10 months, it's not going to make a massive difference um, whether you get the vaccine today and Ukiah standing in line or whether you get it early next week from your health care provider. All right. Thanks for the call, caller. Let's take one more. Sure. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Thanks. I'm on the air, and I just wanted to say that the previous caller mimicked my um, experience both yesterday and today in trying to get information regarding getting the actual vaccine, basically meeting the, cre- cre- the correct tier, uh, ready to go, at risk. I was told that show up with your ID tomorrow, Thursday, um, Two forms of ID ready to go. Great. And I also called the hotline and left a message. And I will say that the hotline does return your call. I got a call at 930 this morning telling me, no problem, bring your ID, show up tomorrow morning. Within 30 minutes, there was a posting on Facebook by the public health saying that it was full, and that kind of flabbergasted me because I was told that there were no appointments again. So I wound up getting connected to somebody in public health, and bless all their souls, information is changing so quickly that I got conflicting information. The person I spoke to told me that I could get on a list. I said, how do I get on the list? She told me to call the uh, COVID information line. I called the COVID information line. They told me that there was no list. So the hard part is not just getting the information, especially if you're rural and don't have connectivity, but things are changing so rapidly that as of today, I don't even know if I should show up tomorrow or not. And Dr. Colfax, I respect what you're saying 
about not being safe to be on the list, but there are some workers who have been so exposed for so long being unsafe that they really do want to get down and get their vaccine, especially those doing emergency services and food like the food bank. So right now there's incredible conflicting information within public health. I've talked to every person on every number contradicting or giving me different information. And so my request would be for Sarah at KZYX. I love that she was walking the line talking to people about how they found out about it. But I sure would love an interview and some questions that could be asked about public health, about how something becomes full when it's first come, first serve, how you're told then to get on a list, but there is no list no matter what number they give you. And it's really frustrating. And, of course, we all want to be safe. I appreciate what you do. But I think we need some forthright information from public health. And I do agree with the last caller. It was feeling rather um, uncomfortable after my fourth phone call today. It seemed like only the insiders were getting the information. And though I know what happened in Ukiah when the freezer went down and you have to disperse those and the amazing job they did in dispersing those so quickly makes me wonder why was the line so long, moving so slow, and um, we just need help with the process. But really, all of us out here, we just need answers. If there's a list, where do you really go for it? And should I show up tomorrow as I was directed at 9.30 this morning with my paperwork or it's full, which was the public health announcement. And the public health website, I do need to say, I agree with Dr. Colfax, it really has no information on getting um, vaccinated. So thank you for the show. I would love some answers investigated by KZYX, and the best to you both. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for so, that. <laughs> I, so I, she summarized, I think, the frustration yes. that so many people are feeling right yep. now. I, you know, I should be in the know, right? I'm a doctor. I've been doing this show for 10 months. I work at Adventist <laughs> Hospital. I have Andy Korn's phone number in my phone. I talk to him. I talk to the CEO of Adventist. You know, I so I should be in the know, right? And yet I'm not because I don't think any of us has fully assimilated all this information. Maybe some people are getting notified through some inside connection to healthcare, you know, uh, network. I don't think that that is certainly the strategy or the plan. Um, I don't think that there is a countywide list of people who are eligible for the vaccine as of yet. I just I know that the county does not have the resources to resources to develop that list. It's odd that you would have been told um, that you needed an appointment or it was first come first serve and then it was then full. So I'm not sure what kind of communication snafu that was. But the reality, unfortunately, is that we're dealing with um, a situation and a rollout um, that has really changed gears in the course of the last week. I mean, California was putting up new tiered guidelines and taking them back down in the space of an hour or two over the weekend because they were literally pushing something out, changing their minds, taking it back down, and then recalibrating and pushing something else out. So this is an evolving, complex thing, which is 
significantly affecting um, public health's ability to deliver clear messaging, you know, even if they had limitless resources to do so, which they clearly do not. So it's Again, it's very fraught. It's stressful. People are trying to get the vaccine out to as many people as possible, as equitably as possible. From my perspective, uh, the main thing is it is unconscionable for us to be sitting on any vaccine. We need to get it into people uh, on arrival. We can't really control how much we get into the county, but we certainly can control how long it sits in this county not doing anybody any good. And I think that message has been heard certainly by uh, Adventist and also by um, county public health. Um, so that's very good. Um, that's, you know, it's not my message they're responding to, but the state is actually sort of pushing for this quite heavily now. But the frustrations you <laughs> talk to are real. And, you know, I think I think it just requires some patience because there are so many people working so hard on trying to get this thing sorted out and deployed in real time in the midst of a pretty surging pandemic um, that is, you know, it's just very difficult to do. This is not something, you know, that we were given guidelines for, you know, months ago. Should have, you know, should have received something. Um, but I'm quite confident in saying that that had not come down from the state of California. Right. All but, right. Well, uh, we will be on the air live with Dr. Corin on Friday from 3 to 3.30. So these would oh, be... God bless him. I know. So <laughs> get your questions ready for him. No, he's, uh, I think he's well aware of the frustrations and, yeah. you know, trying to solve and put out fires wherever, wherever he can. I know that the vaccine task force... Nash Gonzalez and Adrian Thompson, I know that they are in good faith and that they're really doing the best they can to build and ramp up. Well, the main thing is, that, you know, a lot of vaccines coming into the county this week um, and it's going out into people's arms this week. And that's fantastic. It might not get into everybody's arms, you know, in a exactly an equitable way. It might not, you know, you might one might not agree with who is getting it um, and who isn't. I certainly feel as though every inmate in the county jail should be vaccinated at this point, except for the third who already have COVID. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, that's a point of contention that, you know, has been repeatedly voiced by me. I also feel like it would have been much simpler if the feds and the state and the county had simply done a age-based, um, you know, vaccine rollout. It's easier to prove your age, I think. You just show up with an ID of yeah. any sort. But that, you know, that already, you know, hasn't happened. And it's going to be hard to walk back this tiered system you know, with, you know, this, this mess, this sort of, it's not as though we have a driver's license that says I am an agricultural worker on it. Right. Or, and what about undocumented right. folks? Um, well, according to the county, they want to be doing something like 1,600 to 1,800 vaccines a week. Which is twice what we heard from the board meeting last week, which is great. Right. So 1,600 to 1,800. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's their goal shortly within weeks. That would be a pretty large in-group you know, it's like eventually all the in-group is going to get vaccinated. And then, you know what I'm saying? I don't saying? know. I've never been part of an in-group. So. I know. Yeah. It's hard for me to even understand yeah. how it works. Um, okay. That's going to do it for the local coronavirus update today. We went over a bit into TUC Radio, which is a really special program today. It honors the Western Shoshone elder Carrie Dan, who passed away on January 2nd of this year. Um, so it's a show from the Western Shoshone lands. So stay tuned for that. We're going to join that in progress. And again, we'll be back on Friday with Dr. Andy Corin and time for your questions. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Drew. Sure. See you Monday. See you Monday.
You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.